A little while ago, I spent some time on the internet doing what many people would call procrastination, but which I like to think of as research. I was reading about a group of people called preppers. Perhaps you're one of them. Preppers are people who fear the worst about world events and who literally have a bunker mentality as they prepare for the end of the world as we know it. They stock up on tinned goods, they engineer an independent water supply, they develop survival skills for life off-grid in the event of a nuclear war or a, well, a global pandemic. And I wonder under COVID whether many of us have turned into part-time preppers. I must admit, when the UK first went into lockdown back in March, I did a careful stock check of everything that I had in my kitchen cupboards. I had half a packet of pasta, a jar of chocolate spread, and a few custard cream biscuits. I knew that I needed to get to the shops pretty quickly, not to stockpile, just to make sure that I had enough to eat for dinner that evening. And I know that I, like, like most inner city residents, I can nip to the shop at the end of the road and I can buy anything I could want at any time I like. It's made me lazy and complacent. It's made me forget where my food really comes from. In our journey through the Lord's Prayer, we've reached the shortest line, probably the best known line of this prayer that Jesus taught us. It is disarmingly simple. It seems very straightforward. It is Matthew 6, verse 11, give us today our daily bread. And it's hard to think of something more relevant to our prayers at the moment, isn't it? Here is at base level a prayer for provision, a request to God to supply us with all that we need. Jesus tells us to pray this because we don't always think that we need to pray it. This Lord's Prayer, remember, it began with adoration back in verse 9. This then is how you should pray, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And now Jesus turns from adoration to supplication. But as he does so, notice that the posture doesn't change. It's still one of humility. It is still of God who is both glorious and good and us who are in need of help. We won't pray as Jesus would have us pray unless we get our posture right before God. This is a prayer to be prayed on your knees. It's a prayer to be prayed with your hands outstretched, palms open, ready to receive. Give us today our daily bread. Well, let's look at what that means for us. I've got three pointers for us for how we can make this prayer our prayer today and in the time ahead. Here's the first pointer. Pray that you will have enough. Pray that you will have enough. At first glance, this seems a fairly modest prayer. It reminds me of a game I've sometimes played. You know, one of those icebreaker games when you're trying to get to know a group of people. It's called Budget Superheroes. The game goes like this. Uh, You ask everyone to think of which superpower they would like to have, but it has to come in a discount version. There has to be some economy. Uh, So maybe you've got the ability to fly, but you always land in a prickly bush. Or the ability to turn invisible, but you can't control when you become visible again. Well, it's a silly game, but I I think of it here because 
We could ask God for just about anything, couldn't we? He's the one who made the world. We could ask him for anything in the world. But Jesus doesn't tell us to. He's the God of luxury diamonds and Lamborghinis and lavish villas on the Mediterranean coast. So it's almost surprising how small this prayer sounds, just for bread and just for today. But as is always the case with Jesus, it seems simple on the surface, but it carries a deeper significance within. First of all, consider how a prayer to God for bread is a prayer for absolute dependence. You know, we only ask for what we cannot make or do ourselves. And here, the most basic provision of life, a simple meal, is presented as something beyond our ability to provide for ourselves. We must ask God even to provide for our most basic needs. It's humbling. But notice, second of all, that it's a prayer of continual dependence. I'll confess, I often find myself turning to prayer only when I know that I'm in a bind, I've got that difficult conversation that I need to navigate. And I'll pray, Lord, I really need your help with this one. And it's not that it's a bad thing to pray in a crisis. Often it's the best thing you can do. But the point is, we've got something wrong if we only ever pray when it's a crisis. And the scholars argue about that word today in this line. It is Jesus saying, give me this day the bread I need. Or is he saying, give me today the bread I'll need tomorrow? Either way, surely what matters is this. We're to depend on God day by day. And it's worth saying, this might be a time of real material need for you or for those you love. Jesus often taught about his heavenly father is a good God who loves to give good gifts When he himself saw a crowd that had followed him to a distant place and listened for so long they'd gone hungry, he fed them, thousands of them. He did it twice. We should pray that the Lord will provide for our needs. It's a prayer that he often answers in material terms. We must acknowledge, though, that this is a hard teaching for those who trust in Jesus and find that they do go hungry. Poverty, even absolute poverty, has been the experience of many Christians around the world and across the years. It's important for us to pray this prayer in context then, under the context of the sovereign God whose name is to be hallowed in verse 9, under the sovereign God whose kingdom we're calling for to be established here as in heaven in verse 10. This prayer is a prayer that the Lord will provide all that we need. And in the economy of his kingdom, the answer to that is always yes, with abundant generosity. But it is always yes then, not always yes now. Part of being dependent on God is not taking things for granted from God. It's trusting him in the big things and the eternal things such that we find we can trust him with our everything, even our day-by-day material needs, even in a bite to eat. So that's our first pointer for this prayer. Pray that you will have enough. Here's the second. Pray that you will have contentment. Pray that you will have contentment. If you tuned in last week, you'll know that we're talking about kingdom prayers. And I suggested that we have a Goldilocks problem when it comes to prayer. We think that some things are too big to pray about, some things are too small to pray about, so we tend only to pray about the things in the middle. Well, it's another week and another Goldilocks principle for us. 
This week, not the things that we miss out of our prayers, but rather two extremes that we ought to avoid in our prayers. Because when Jesus tells us to pray, give us today our daily bread, he's not just telling us to pray that we would not have too little. He's telling us to pray that we would not have too much either. Now, this is the truly countercultural part of this prayer. This is the part that goes against the attitudes and the expectations of the world. Lord, please don't give me too much. More food than I can consume, more money than I know how to handle, more clothes than I can wear, more possessions than I can reasonably use. I'm convinced that Jesus is teaching us to pray like that. Because I'm convinced that Jesus is alluding to two verses from the book of Proverbs as he tells us what to pray for. Here are the verses. See what you think. Did Jesus have these words in mind? Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Do you see how those verses cut both ways? As we've seen, we are utterly dependent on the Lord for everything we have. And he is a good God who loves to give good gifts and he wants us to have enough. If we don't have all we need, we might be led astray from godly living and tempted into theft. The picture is a little bit like Jean Valjean in Victor Hugo's epic story, Les Miserables. Valjean steals a loaf of bread in desperation in order to feed a hungry family member and is marked as guilty as a result. He does years of hard labor. Let's pray to avoid that. But as the proverb says, there's an equal and opposite danger. If we have too much, we may become conceited and disown God and say, who is the Lord? If we have food in the fridge and a fortune in the bank, we might think that we are in control of our destiny. We start to trust ourselves and not our Lord, and so we turn away from him. It doesn't happen overnight necessarily, but over time we simply stop thinking that we need him. I suspect that of the two dangers we're warned about here, it is this one that most of us are more likely to find ourselves in. It is probably this pride and complacency that we're more prone towards. There's a real danger in working life, that we started to feel that we've earned every penny that we have and that we deserve every penny that we have and that it ought to be up to us how we choose to spend every penny that we have. Jesus would challenge each one of those assumptions. He would remind us that we have first been given everything we have from the Lord our God. He'd remind us that it is only by his undeserved grace that we are sustained in life day by day. And he would remind us that we are merely stewards of what he has given us, not outright owners of anything. He and the eternal values of his kingdom ought to set the agenda for what we do with the things he has given us to steward. Jesus taught a parable about this in Luke chapter 12. Remember the farmer who had a vast harvest, which was so big he didn't have enough space to store all the crops. He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, aren't these words, words that so many of us long to say in London today? I'll say to myself, 
You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And Jesus said about this story, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I heard David Turner speak on this once. He drew out three things that this man had trusted in, in his money. First, he saw his possessions as the source of his security. Uh, He wanted to build bigger barns to build up a retirement fund, a large surplus to last him many years. Then he saw money as a source of his satisfaction. He planned to use his bumper harvest for his own pleasure so that he could eat, drink and be merry. He didn't consider sharing it, for instance. And finally, he saw money as the source of his significance. He keeps talking about himself. Jesus pointedly says that it was the ground that yielded an abundant harvest. But the man cannot even express gratitude for the work of God in nature. So we've got to be careful. It's important to note that the man was not a fool because he was rich. Rather, he was a fool because money had a place in his life where only God belonged. And as David Turner rightly concludes, money is consistently portrayed as God's chief competition for our hearts. Give us today our daily bread is a prayer that we would view and use our material possessions rightly, a prayer that we would remember that money is a good servant but a terrible master. And maybe some of us today have allowed the security, the satisfaction, the significance that money can bring to take God's place as our real master. In Luke 16, 13, Jesus famously said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Or in 1 Timothy 6, 9 to 10, the Apostle Paul warns that those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. He says, they have pierced themselves with many griefs. So give us today our daily bread. It means pray that you will have enough. It means pray that you will have contentment. And just finally, as I close, it means pray that you will have Christ. Pray that you will have Christ. So far, we've taken this prayer at face value. We've spoken of bread in a very practical sense as the stuff that fills our bellies so we don't go hungry. But there is more to this prayer than meets the eye. For Jesus is calling his followers to feed, not just on the bread that we get from the bakery, but from the very bread of life, from Jesus himself. Time and again, when Jesus was teaching about our physical needs, like our food and our possessions, he went on to press a spiritual meaning too. That's what he means when he says that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. There's more to life than having a full stomach, hard though it is to believe sometimes. For in addition to our physical hunger, we live with a spiritual hunger. In addition to the bread from the bakery, there is bread from heaven. The great Christian apologist C.S. Lewis expressed it well. He said this, 
Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger while there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim while there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire while there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. God is deeply concerned about our physical needs and our physical hunger, but he does not neglect our spiritual needs and our spiritual hunger. He wants us to be satisfied, truly satisfied in him. And I suppose that's particularly important in the light of what we've seen this lunchtime. How are we going to be content with necessities but not luxuries unless we find all that is truly necessary for life and for salvation in Jesus? How are we going to let go of the security, the satisfaction, the significance of what money can bring unless we find our ultimate security, our ultimate satisfaction, our ultimate significance in Jesus? Among all the gifts our good God loves to give, it remains forever true that the greatest gift God can give us is himself. So give us today our daily bread. It's a prayer that challenges our pride and helps us to depend on God rightly from all things that have come from him. And yet it's also a prayer that hints at more. Our our desire for more, our hunger for food that will truly satisfy shows us that we need more than physical bread in our bellies. We need the bread of life, the one who satisfies our deepest needs, the one in whom if we trust in him, we will find full and final eternal satisfaction. The reason that we hunger for more is that there is more to this life than to eat, drink, and be merry. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions, says Jesus. Real life, real satisfaction comes in Jesus himself, the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will never go hungry. Whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. And so, with our eyes fixed above on that good God who loves to give good gifts, And that Lord Jesus, who is the bread of life, let me pray for us now that we would be people who trust in him fully and completely. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we do acknowledge today that you are a good God who loves to give good gifts and that all things we have have come first from you. So teach us to be dependent, dependent now and dependent day by day on your provision. Help us not to trust in ourselves and not to want too much, but to be satisfied fully and finally and forever in the greatest gift you can give us in the Lord Jesus and life in his spirit. Help us to do that. This day we pray. Amen.